I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. All opinions and discussions on the podcast are purely individual experience, so please consult a doctor or medical professional for more information. Welcome to the Shake It Up Show, a podcast in partnership with Shake It Up Australia Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where we speak to people whose lives have been impacted by Parkinson's disease and hear their stories. My name is Amy Louise Ruffle. I'm an actor, comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a proud Shake It Up Australia ambassador in support of my dad who lives with Parkinson's. My guest today is a self-described rare unicorn, and we are going to find out exactly what that means in just a moment. So please welcome to the show, Emma Tinkler. Emma, hello. Thank you for being here. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. We've been chat, chat, chatting before pressing record. (laughs) I had to say, no, stop talking. Let's do the podcast because you're just uh, such a beautiful energy and and very easy to talk to. So I'm so excited to uh, have this chat today. So we'll start it off with talking a little bit about life pre some of your uh, health diagnoses. So what were you doing for work uh, before Parkinson's and MS entered your life? Okay, so uh, way back in 94, which seems like a lifetime ago, I was working for Kentucky Holidays and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who Kentucky is so I was working for them in this office here in Sydney and then I went across to Europe and worked for them as a site rep in Antibes in France and also as a mobile cook on their camping tours and needless to say it was lots of fun Um, I had a great time it was absolutely fabulous Um, then when I finished working for them I went to the Kentucky Retirement Village which is known as Flight Centre So that was in 2000 and I worked as a retail travel consultant for a couple of years and then uh, after that I worked for the National Breast Cancer Foundation. So what they do uh, in Australia is raise funds for breast cancer research and I worked on their Pink Ribbon campaign. So on their Pink Ribbon Breakfast program, also the boxes that you see at chemists and retail outlets that have got the pens and the pink ribbons. So I worked with the retailers on that and picked all the stock and, and organised all the logistics for that. And that was that was really good. And I really learned a lot about charities and not-for-profit not organisations. They taught me, when I was there, it taught me the importance of medical research So, and also how ambassadors, so people like breast cancer survivors speak to media and also speak at public events and how they can help spread the message about medical research and how important that it is. Um, And also an example about how, I mean, you can get me started on on medical research. I'm so, you know, it's one of my passions. But, um, for example, like one of the medications that they used for um, breast cancer um, for breast cancer is now being used in a medical trial for prostate. So, you know, any funding that goes to medical research, you never know where it's going to end up and who it's going to benefit. So, yeah, it's really exciting. I loved it. 
And so you mentioned in that piece about the importance of people, ambassadors speaking out about the the health condition that they're living with. Given that, Mm. do you find Parkinson's and MS easy to talk about? Uh, Well, as you found out, I'm I'm a bit of a chatterbox uh, and I'm also an open book. um, But talking about Parkinson's, I can understand that it's very scary for many, many people. I watched the Michael J. Fox uh, documentary still the other day and it really went into how in his life that he had to keep it under wraps for a long many years because he was working as on family ties and so forth so I can understand how you know some people keep it on the down low for a while but I think that working um, in the space of not-for-profits um, it also you know it helped helped me understand how they work and it really like talking about Parkinson's helps me put a positive spin on the disease um, and it gives me something yeah it gives me something positive to do with it And also, you know, it's really exciting because I contacted the Shake It Up Foundation and they're looking at spreading the word about early onset Parkinson's. So I'm going to be involved in that. Um, My Also, my stepmom was the CEO of the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And I remember that, you know, when I was with with her sometimes, you know, on the weekends that, you know, a TV channel or radio channel would call up and say, oh, we need you to make a statement about, you know, this research breakthrough, and she would just slip into the mode of promoting the organisation and um, saying how important research is. And I think that that really just subconsciously just went into my head because, yeah, it just really showed me how you just have to, any opportunity, you know, develop a lift pitch in case you meet the right person at the right time that's interested in all this. But, um, yeah, no, it's 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 a really fantastic way of, I guess, making, yeah, seeing the positive or trying to make a positive impact with my, with my disease. Might call it denial as well, but anyway. <laughs> well, I think all we can control in a lot of senses is our perspective, right? That frames the experience and it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be days that are really hard and frustrating, but... In general, if we can try and find the positives, it's going to make day-to-day life a lot more enjoyable than if you're actively always coming from the the negative side. But having said that, having both Parkinson's and MS, it's a double whammy. That's a real tough one to be dealing with. So what was Mm -hmm. the road you went on that led to your diagnosis? How did you find out that you had both of these things? Right. Well, the MS started first. Uh, it was in 2010, so I just turned 33 and I'd um, just been married a few months before that, came back from my honeymoon and my immediate thoughts and plans for the future were to have children. And one day I woke up and I had sort of in the corner of my eye there was water coming down. But that's what it looked like. Uh, and then, but there was actually no water coming out of my eyes. So in hindsight, what that's actually called is optic neuritis. So after a couple of days of that, I thought, oh, don't want to mess around. And I went to my GP. So um, I went in there and he's, you know, I was 33 years old. So I was sort of smack banging that actually when, when people are diagnosed with MS, the average age is about 30 and three out of four people that have MS are women. So 
I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was right in the smack bang in the middle of it. And he looked me over and he said, oh, is there anything wrong with your, have you had any numbness or tingling in your limbs? And I went, oh, and I thought, oh, that, you know, hasn't got anything to do with my eyes. What's he talking about? And then I remember that five years previous I'd had um, uh, pins and needles in my fingertips for a couple of weeks and it just went away. And he said, okay, well, best case scenario, it could be something wrong with your eyes or worst case scenario, it could be multiple sclerosis. And I thought, all right. Well, my immediate thought was, oh, is well, I said to him, is that what Michael J. Fox has? And he said, no, that's Parkinson's. And the universe, universe must have thought, hang on a second, that's a great idea. We'll just, we'll just pause on that one. We'll give you MS. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I was lucky in the fact that I didn't have any huge MS symptoms. The next week I went for an MRI and I was diagnosed pretty much straight away. My symptoms were minimal and basically I just went on with my life. Um, I didn't have to have any medications, so that was lucky. I had two children, so I've got a 12-year-old now called Elodie and a little nine-year-old called Aki. And um, I went on and did, because I'd worked for National Breast Cancer Foundation, I sort of, like once the dust had settled on my diagnosis, I thought about, okay, well, how can I contribute to the MS space? So I contacted MS Research Australia and um, basically I was an ambassador for them for a few years. So I worked on the May 50K campaign, so I, you know, with publicity for that and I was one of the ambassadors. I raised thousands of dollars on TV and radio and at speaking at events and really pushed me out of my comfort zone, but it was, um, it was really good. It was, it was, it was fun. So that was the MS side of things, and then things started to go a bit more pear-shaped. So in, um, in 2019, I was walking to uh, the SBS studios in Sydney in St Leonard's to be part of a studio audience for a show called People with MS, and I was walking along and I just felt that my left foot was I had to think about picking it up. So I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. Like just it wasn't painful or anything, but it just felt a bit strange. And anyway, um, and then after, you know, a little while, my left arm stopped swinging as well. I thought, that's a bit strange. So I went back to my MS neurologist and he said, oh, ignore it. It'll go away. <laughs> and I thought, okay. And then, uh, you know, and then I thought, okay, I might suss it out online. So I went on to an MS Facebook support group page and I said, oh, has anyone experienced, you know, left arm not swinging and my foot's, my left foot's um, not working as well as it should. I've got a bit of a limp. And one woman, she posted just a few words. She said, sounds like it could be Parkinson's. And I was like, oh, what? And I thought, okay. So I, I straight away I sent an email to my neurologist saying, oh, could it be Parkinson's? And he said, oh, no, 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 it's not Parkinson's. And I thought, oh, okay. All right. So anyway, so life went on and a few months later the the um, the limp and the arm um, swinging, it didn't improve at all. It just got worse. So I went back to him, had another MRI, and it was all stable. It was all fine. And so, okay, well, then he said I had something called FND. Now that's called uh, stands for functional neurological disorder, 
And so basically it's when you're, there's nothing organically wrong with your body, so you can't be tested for it. They think that it's it's basically when the messages from your brain to your body get all skewed and some of the um, symptoms are non-epileptic fits, um, trouble walking, basically any lots of different different symptoms and at that stage obviously uh, they thought that mine was a tremor the difficulty walking and my arm not swinging and yeah so that was happening and also at that stage uh, my you know I had the death of a pet I'd separated from my husband and other family issues and I thought okay well you never know how the body sort of processes stress. And I thought, well, that could be very possible. So, And the only treatments for FND are physio and psychology. So I went along, you know, did all the physio, did psychology, and it was not getting any better. And it was really strange because I could walk up and down stairs absolutely fine. I could do short sprints along the beach. I could climb over things, but I couldn't do things like write. I couldn't text. I couldn't, I had difficulty eating. I had to drink through a straw. Um, I had really, really bad fatigue. Um, I couldn't get to the toilet in time. It took me a couple of hours to get ready to leave the house. It was, um, yeah, it was an awful time and it all happened slowly. And it got to a stage where I thought, okay, what else can I do about this? And so I managed to get myself into a um, rehab centre and I was there for two weeks and the physio and OTs because I thought, okay, let me just remove myself from everything and spend two weeks in rehab and just focus on myself. So not focus on the kids, just, you know, focus on getting well and maybe that might make a difference. Anyway, so I was there for two weeks and the OT and the physio people were absolutely lovely. And by the time two weeks rolled around, nothing had changed. So the rehab specialist there said to me, basically, this is how you're going to be. You have to accept your mobility as it is and you have to skip and, like, run everywhere. And... Basically, that was, I heard it described as an annihilation of my spirit and physical body, and that's exactly how it felt. I was upset about it. I was angry, and I thought, right, I'm going to prove him wrong. And I have, which is lucky for me. So after rehab, basically I thought, right, my mum said, right, I think you should get a mobility scooter. You you know, and I, I resisted for a while and I got a mobility scooter and it was the best thing that I ever did because it gave me a lot of freedom. I could buzz around the shops. I could um, go on walks with my mum in nature and, yeah, it, gave, it was just absolutely fabulous. And then I thought, right, what am I going to do now? And then I decided to get a second opinion. So I found a wonderful neurologist called Dr. Rowena Mobb. She's in North Sydney and she, I went in there on my mobility scooter and she took one, you know, she watched me walk, she took notes and et cetera, et cetera, and she said, oh, okay, now I don't think you have FND. And I just thought, oh, my God. She thought, uh, she said, 
I think you have early onset Parkinson's. And I said, okay. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to tell my mum? She's going to be absolutely devastated. And I went in there with a support worker and luckily for me that he kept his cool and we, um, she said, I'm going to give you some medication that's going to hopefully improve your walking and your tremor. And I thought, okay. Now, I think most people with Parkinson's know what that script would be, and it's for um, levodopa, which one of my friends coined lovadopa. So, yes, we love it. <laughs> so I started, he basically went out of the neurologist's office he said, I'm just going to put you in the car, you have a good cry and I'll go and get your script filled. And I've never been so happy to take medication in my life. So I took, I started that afternoon and, um, and it made a, an absolute life-changing difference to my mobility. Yeah, and it was unbelievable. And I remember like a few days later I sent a, a picture of, of my shoelaces tied up to my mum and I didn't have to put any words with it. She knew what it was. So after five weeks, I went back to Dr. Rowena and I said, you've changed my life. And she said, great. So I limped in and she said, okay, we're going to double the dose. And I thought, oh, my God, okay, right. <laughs> so she doubled the dose of the medication and I'll never forget walking out of my bed one morning and I was walking without a limp. And I just literally jumped for joy. It was unbelievable. And at, during this time, it was sort of over the, the, the Christmas six-week school holidays. And after the school holidays, I, like it was the best Christmas I've ever had in my life. And I went back to um, my daughter's school to take her back to school the next year. And um, I walked into the, to the office of the school and one of the, the ginger, the lady, in the office at the school, she saw me and she started crying because the last time she saw me was in a mobility scooter and it was just unbelievable. And the joy that I have brought, well, I don't know whether it's me, but the joy of my recovery has given people when they saw me what I was like, it, you know, it ripped their hearts apart. And then when they saw me, back walking it was just like you know a miracle yeah it was it's one of the greatest joys of my entire life is just seeing the happiness in people's faces but also you sorry get oh do not say sorry at all this is an incredible story and a frustrating one too because yeah. you know to hear the the struggles that you've gone through because of misdiagnosis and then how much your life can change when you get the proper medication and support that you need I know, and it's and the thing was, you know, it's not like it's a it's an infusion that costs ten thousand dollars. Like it's something you can get at Priceline mm. or Chemist, you know. And it, I could have just tried it just to, you know, see what happened. Even if there was a one percent chance that the, you know, the specialist or the neurologist thought, it, oh, you never know, it could be Parkinson's. Just try for a week. It's only like twenty bucks. But anyway, I mean. I've learned a lot. I'm not. I'm not glad it happened, but you know, I've learned a lot since since that. But um, through that experience, but and you know, I I've heard when I had it. Well, when I was just had MS, they you know I heard about a lot of people that were left flapping in the wind with their diagnosis, and I used to think to myself, oh, thank God, I was diagnosed within a couple of weeks 
you know, but I guess my curveball was just around the corner. Yeah. Did you find it hard not to be frustrated by the fact that that had happened and that it meant that you went through a lot more hell than you needed to? Um, yes, I, like I remember saying to my stepmom, like, because obviously I'm a glass half full kind of girl and I, I managed to keep myself together most, you know, most of the time. Obviously I had, you know, moments where I'd, I'd cry and think what's, you know, and I remember having a cuddle with my stepmom and I said, I hate being a problem to everyone. And she said, you're not a problem. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't, it is frustrating, but I, I try to focus on the on the pluses and I think, yeah, I know, I, yeah, I try not to think about it too much because if I do, then I will get really mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that frustrating thing of we can't change the past, so what's the point of, channeling yeah. all that energy into that rather than like you're saying the the positives and looking forward yeah. Um, yeah. so given that now and you have that knowledge what are some of the things that have helped you manage your conditions and symptoms well I think one of the big things that helped me get through that what um what happened my misdiagnosis was um my practice of yoga because basically you're using your body as an instrument to learn and challenge what's happening in your mind. So my teachers are excellent and they're, yeah, very much, it's not about the yoga poses, it's about what's going in between your, on between your ears. Um, one of the great things that they say, they've said in classes, you know, connect to the internet, not the internet. <laughs> so, that, and I love that. That's, that, yeah, so that really, it, it helped me helped me mentally through that so yes yoga is a big part of my life and Iyengar yoga is the yoga that I practice and that's really good for people with disabilities um, because you can use props like blocks belts bolsters chairs walls so yeah I'd recommend if that anyone any of the listeners with Parkinson's or any other chronic health condition that Iyengar yoga would be really good for them uh, one of the things that I did, uh, well, I I went to a, recently I went to a retreat for four nights uh, in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales and it's called the Quest for Life Retreat and it's run by a fabulous woman called Katria King and she's been doing this for years and basically she helps to support people through challenges in their lives and I did a course on a retreat on pe- for people with chronic health conditions. So there was myself, there were people that had cancer, people that had MS, Parkinson's and so forth. And it went a lot deeper emotionally than I thought. She covered things like, you know, the importance of movement in the body, food, also, you know, psychological stuff and she covered the whole the whole body, I guess you could say body mind. And one of the things that she said was obviously you fuel your body as, as good as you it can with, with whole foods, etc. But if you haven't dealt with emotional stuff that's fermenting away in your body that you need to sort out, no amount of green smoothies is gonna help you. So <laughs> green smoothies, I love them, but yeah that you know that's one part of 
of you that of the healing process is dealing through all your emotional stuff. So, um, you know, and that's in addition to a chronic health condition. And I, I see a psychologist frequently and that's really helpful for me to, to work through that. And, yeah, I find that um, really, really helpful. I'm lucky that I've got access access to that. Yeah, it's all connected, isn't it? Like you can't just yeah. take care of the physical body. The The mind has to be in there too because it can really play a huge part in how you're feeling but also how you're dealing with how you're feeling. Yeah, and but as Patrice said, you know, your chemical makeup and the cells and all that, yeah, that, I mean, life, it's a, it's a lifelong thing. You'll be learning things on the last day of your life. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's hard work if you will, you know, if you want to jump in, but yeah. And um, we are running out of time, so I just have one little last question because we haven't really mm. touched on um, the Kentucky part of your life and the travel side of things too. And I was wondering mm. if you'd like to tell us where your favourite place uh, you ever travelled to was. Oh, right. Um, I would have to say Florence, Firenze. Yeah, that's one of my favourite places because obviously gelato, you can't go wrong. Uh, and you can it's a beautiful city in the fact that basically you can walk everywhere. Yeah. So it's not you don't have to catch a train or anything like that. So that's that's a beautiful part of it. And the smells and the you know, the cobblestone streets and yeah, it's um it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Have you found a good Italian restaurant in Sydney that uh can give you a little flavour of Florence? Um, maybe not, but definitely the gelato. Luckily we've got a great gelato place down the road, so which is a bit scary that it's just down the road. <laughs> When it first opened, I think I went once a week. But I pulled back and say steady on. But um, yeah, I mean, in in Sydney, we're we're very lucky with with the options we've got for food and and you know the own food, your own food that you buy yourself as well. You know, we're we're such a lucky place. We are indeed. Well, I'll have to do a little flight up to Sydney because I also am a, a huge gelato fan. So I'll have to oh, pop in and we'll try. To- it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Emma, for your time today and for sharing that story with us. Incredible. And I think what you're saying about the mind and body all being connected and the importance of addressing all of that is just so valuable. So thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. And I just wanted to do a shout out to my Parkinson's comrades that, you know, I I see you and, you know, no matter where you are on your Parkinson's journey, because there's a lot of people at different stages, but I, you know, I do appreciate where everyone's at and, you know, they might not be as fortunate as I was or, you know, and I just wanted to acknowledge that everyone's at a different stage and I see them, yeah. Beautiful words to end on. Thank you so much, Emma, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's episode. Shake It Up Australia funds groundbreaking Australian research that aims to slow, stop and cure Parkinson's disease. And they need your help. To support Shake It Up's vision of a world without Parkinson's, head to shakeitup.org.au forward slash podcast. Together, we can find a cure.